Well, if you sow a bunch of word seed, you get a word harvest. Amen. Amen. That's why it's so important to come to the house of God and open up your heart and let the word go in to find rich soil. And let's have some harvest, 30, 60, and 100 folk and have an amen tonight. I want to go back to John 10.10. There's been several of these messages. You can go online. You can download them for free, listen to them, whatever. You can also get them on iTunes. You can get them on our app at the church. And it's the kind of series where you need to get it uh, not just uh, in your physical hearing, but deep into your spirit. And the reason is, if it hasn't happened already, sooner or later, as a child of God, you're going to hit a wall. And when you hit that wall, you need to know what to do from God's perspective, from the perspective of the Word of God, to do to, to have victory in that situation. Now, say this with me. Just because it hit a wall doesn't make me a second-class Christian. The truth is it makes you a first-class Christian. Because you look throughout Scripture, you see people will go through things physically, mentally, emotionally, spiritually. And the great victory story is that it didn't take them out. They still did what God called them to do. They faced the wall and they overcame it in Jesus' name. And that's what this is all about, just learning that God wants to build in you a resilient spirit. What does that mean? It means when you're stretched, when you're pushed, when you're prodded, when you're under the gun, no matter what happens to bend you out of shape, you quickly come back into shape because of God's power and His grace. And I want you to know tonight, it's not just a good idea or a good thought. There's literally grace to bring you back to where you need to be. Amen? And how many understand that when, you, when you're brought back, you're not weaker, you're actually stronger. You're not worse, you're actually better. Now, John 10.10 10 from uh, Rick Renner's uh, translation of this, but I came that they might have, keep, and constantly retain a vitality, gusto, vigor, and zest for living that springs up from deep down inside. I came that they might embrace this unrivaled, unequaled, matchless, richly loaded, and overflowing life to the ultimate maximum. Now, right now, depending on what's going on in your life, you may not feel like you have vitality, gusto, and vigor, and zest, but you know, if you just hang in there, God will restore that to you. And the reason we, we can say this is when we know from Scripture that we're saved by grace through faith. Say it with me. I am saved, I am saved by, grace by grace through faith. And that means that we have uh, the ability to tap into every dimension of salvation because of His grace and the way we tap into that salvation grace, whether it is salvation, forgiveness, deliverance, healing, the miracle working power of God, the provision of God, all of that is tapped into by a thing called faith. And faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. So my point is that resilience is part of our salvation package. Aren't you glad He's able to keep us? Come on, say, He's able to keep us. It's such a powerful principle because we think about other things in terms of our salvation or our wholeness, but sometimes we don't think about things like resilience. When you see David hang in there, you see Joseph hang in there, and you see Elijah hang in there, that is part of God's salvation package. Building resilience in you so that you can literally take a licking and keep on ticking. Give me a good amen tonight. Say it with me. I take a licking and just keep on ticking. Well, how is that done? It's done by the same salvation grace, the same salvation grace that gives us forgiveness and deliverance and healing. And as I was worshiping tonight and, and singing the, the chorus, Good, Good Father, I said to my spirit that right now tonight there are people that had chains on them, and when you go home, they're going to be gone. Things have been bugging you and controlling you and pushing you. All of a sudden, they're gone. Now, you walk in your freedom for the glory of God. Amen? You just enjoy 
what God has for you tonight. Amen? That's part of it. But resilience is also part of your salvation. And aren't you glad that if all those other things are by grace, then your resiliency is by grace too. It's not just you're out there on your own trying to work real hard to make this happen. God has supernatural power to cause you to be a resilient Christian. Every aspect of our salvation is a function of God's grace, every single one. And you and I aren't saved by works, but we do understand that because we're saved, we do work. There are certain things we do to put us underneath the spout where the glory comes out. In other words, we talk about things like coming together for celebration or for public worship, private devotions, our giving, our fasting, our serving. These are what we call the means of grace. In the process of doing things like that, God puts us in a position to receive the grace or favor of God. So we're not, we're not earning his favor, but because we have received his salvation, now we go to work for him. And as we do, you can expect God to come alongside of you. Now, part of the Elijah story is how he just plumb wore himself out. And some of you have been there and some of you might be there tonight. That's not cause for you to quit. That's cause for you to get on the edge of your seat waiting for God to give you a resiliency you've never known in your life. And to be better than you've ever been before in your entire Christian walk. We know that he hit the wall. We know he went through some tough things. At the same time, we also know that uh, God was is, is speaking through his example that just because you're in a tough place mentally, emotionally, spiritually, physically, doesn't mean you're done. That's right. And the devil that tells you that is a liar. That's right. And people that imply that to you are liars. I mean, uh, several years ago, and you know, Kelly and I aren't in our 20s anymore, but we're not like ancient Methuselahs either. <laughs> you know, when Brother Mark went home to be with Jesus, one of them told her, well, y'all just need to quit. You're too old for this. Are you kidding me? I got news for you, devil. Our best days are ahead of us. But you say, why would somebody say something like that? Because they don't understand the nature of ministry. We don't need to be getting rid of our captains and our colonels and our generals too young. We need them more than ever in the body of Christ. We don't need our seniors taken out. We need them here for the glory of God. And we've lost a lot of them through the years. And so what's God going to do? Just leave us to our own? No, you're going to find grace. And one of the things you're going to have to have if you're going to make it to some, some gray-haired, wrinkled general in the faith. Amen? Mm-hmm. Say it with me, general in the faith, or whatever God's called you to be, you're going to have to have resiliency to get there. Right. You don't get those stars by being a wimp. Amen. <laughs> Amen. And so part of this is just preparing you to know that, that don't think the thing you're going through, as Peter said, don't think it strains the fiery trial that you're going through. You know, it's designed to take you out, but God's design is to bring you through with victory and overcoming spirit. In other words, the devil can do his best, but his best is not good enough. Come on, shout out the devil does his best, but his best isn't good enough. We access this resiliency through the means of grace. That's why it's important to pray, keep on praying, to meditate on the word, keep on meditating on the word, to worship, keep on worshiping, go to church and keep on going to church. Can I have an amen? Amen. Reflecting on the things of God, celebrating, fasting, Bible study, reading, meditation, memorization. These all expose you to the grace of God. They're called the means of grace or the avenues by which we're connected to that favor. Once again, If we weren't born again, we wouldn't have access to them at all. But because we do, if we'll do these things, just like tonight, you know, one word from God can change your life forever. 
I've watched this time and time and time again. Somebody will just be diligent to come to the house of God, to go to the conference. And just like that, God will slip something into their spirit that will totally change their life. You know what? That could be tonight for you. On the inside where nobody can see, you might be contemplating giving up or backing up or shutting down or being quiet. But on the inside where they can't see, God's doing something in your heart. Amen. And you're not going to back down. You're not going to quit. Poke somebody and tell them, my best days are ahead of me. Come on, say it with boldness. My best days are ahead of me in Jesus' name. Scriptures like this, and then I'll move on tonight. In Isaiah 40, 30, he gives power to the faint. Power. Aren't you glad for that? And to him who has no might, he increases strength. What does that sound like? That sounds like God giving us resiliency. Even you shall faint be weary. Young men shall fall exhausted, but they who wait for the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings like eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. I don't believe that's in the Bible by accident. Somehow God knows that His people go through it in the earth, and yet God gives them sustaining and He gives them resilience. Scripture says in Psalm 27, 14, Wait for the Lord, be strong, and let your heart take courage and wait for the Lord. Again, Spending that time connecting with Him through the means of grace releases the favor that brings resiliency into your life. I love this one in Psalm 52, 8 and 9. But I am like a green olive tree in the house of God. I trust in the steadfast love of God forever and ever. I will thank you uh, forever because you have done it. I will wait for your name for it is good in the presence of the godly. Glory to God. And then I think about scriptures like Mark 6.31 where Jesus looked at his disciples and said, you know what, you're being pressed upon by the people, you're constantly busy, you're just added 100 miles an hour, Art's paraphrase here, come away with me by yourselves and do what? Rest. And get some rest. Restoration for a finite human being is necessary if you're going to be resilient over the long haul. Well, if I were just on fire for God enough, if I were just, you know, prayed enough, if I had just been to church enough that I wouldn't feel that way. I don't care how you think you should be in terms of trying to prevent this. I'm going to tell you that Elijah was a great man of God and still went through it. Yes. Are you hearing what I'm saying to you? So don't say because I'm going through something, I must not be all that effective or that powerful or God must not have the same kind of love or future for me. No, that's all a lie from the pit of hell. You just have to understand that if these folks can go through this, you can. But don't stop there. If they overcame it, that's right. That's right. then you can overcome it. Amen. The Bible tells us these things in the Old Testament are written for our example. Amen. The devil did his best, but his best wasn't good enough. So how did he get to this situation? How did he get to this place where even this most faithful and powerful saint could experience an issue with resilience? I'm not going to go back and read his story again, but if you'll go to 1 Kings 19 on your own time, you'll see, in 18 and 19, you'll see what he went through. Number one is exhaustion, just literally fighting and working and running, uh, filling up, you know, the trench, getting the, the sacrifice ready, putting the wood on the altar. And then if that wasn't enough, you know, running like a rabbit, amen, across the countryside. This guy was physically, mentally, emotionally, spiritually exhausted. Number two is ungodly thoughts. He was threatened and boom. If you learned anything from this past Sunday morning, understand that if you don't regulate your mind, nobody else is going to. 
And at that moment, he heard threat and everything he knew suddenly was put on the table as he ran away, responding not. He just won the great battle with the Baal prophets and he's running over a threat for his life. You would think that he'd be concerned about dying at the hands of one of those prophets or if any two or three of them ganged up on him. But he took them all out and somebody threatens him and now he is running. Third is, of course, fear, actions and attitudes uh, you know, of people, oftentimes one still within us, fear or insecurity, and you see this happening in his life. Fourth is isolation. Uh, he got to a certain place in his journey and he left his servant behind. You know what? When you begin to see yourself doing that, that isolation is not going to cause resiliency in your life. It's going to make it worse. Well, I'm depressed, I'm discouraged, so I'm not coming to church. That is a devil's playbook for you to be destroyed. That's where you get up in the morning and you just suck it up. And you say, you know what? I'm going to church. I don't care how I feel. I'm going to read the word. I don't care how I feel. I'm going to pray. I don't care how I feel. Well, I don't think I want to serve, you know, because I don't feel like it. That's when you need to serve the most. These are all means of grace. If you want to tap into that grace, that favor, you need to be doing what God's called you to do. Because that's when Elijah tapped into it. He was in the process of staying in, of course, the will of God that got him in the place of being overwhelmed in the first place. And you say, well, God wouldn't, wouldn't put me in a position to get overwhelmed. It happens all the time. Not so that you'll trust in your flesh, but you'll trust in the supernatural power of God. You can't do what you're called to do in your flesh. You just can't do it. He was isolating himself. And then, of course, you hear him say wrong words like, take my life. Um, other modern versions like that, you know, I just want to die. I wish I was never born. Where does that come from? That comes from a need for someone to have resiliency built back into their life. I tell you what, you all have permission to die when God's done with you in this life. Amen. For right now, you still have work to do. And one of the biggest lies of the enemy is when we lose somebody to death or we lose somebody in terms of relationship, that suddenly our purpose and our meaning, God's hand on our life is over. Let me tell you something. God knew you and loved you, when you long before you were married, long before you had a family, long before you had anything. Right. And you're still valued right now. That's right. Come on, say it. My best days are ahead of me, not behind me. And God's calling is, is, is individual and specific to a person. Now, he'll bring people into our lives and relationships and we'll walk down a path together. But never make the mistake of thinking because you've experienced a loss in life that you're done. Amen. I can say that, but you have to believe it. Amen. If you're going to have resiliency, you say, what happens a lot in the body of Christ? A lot of time people will go through this and they'll just sit themselves on a shelf until they do go home to be with the Lord. How sad is that? And you could be doing great things for God. So grace provided Elijah, and grace provides several things for us. I want you to see this tonight. Again, you go back and read the scripture and meditate on it. But uh, God provides supernatural assistance to restore resiliency as we're doing his bidding and his will. Uh, say it with me. I'm going to do his will. As long as you're committed to doing his will, now we're not perfect here. But as long as you're committed to finding and doing his will, you're going to be able to tap into the grace for resiliency. Now, just when he was at his worst, God sends supernatural assistance, doesn't he? Yes. Number one, write this down. He gave him grace to touch his body. 
in uh, the scripture in verse 5 through 9, we know that he was given sustenance. He was given angel food cake. <laughs> Wouldn't you like to have a piece of that? <laughs> Whatever it was, it was part of his natural restoration. Say it with me, there's grace, there's grace. to touch my body. Yet you need it if there's something going on that's causing disease or causing some kind of affliction, but also just in terms of restoring your body to a place of health and function for everyday life. And uh, I think it's interesting that the God didn't send an angel and just tell him to suck it up buttercup. Uh, yes, you, you have a body here, but your spirit should be taking care of everything. No, I, I find it interesting that God ministered to him where he was. Yes. Amen? Amen. And so there's grace to touch your body. Whether it's a disease, an incurable disease, something man doesn't know about, whether it's just to get things back in balance, to get you on the right track in terms of your own lifestyle, exercise, diet, whatever it is, let him, you know, minister to you his grace and let him touch your body. Because that's what happened here. Uh, it's kind of surprising, really, that uh, not some big long sermon from the angel, not some big rebuke. Amen. Number two, grace to touch your hearing. Where was the voice of God? In the still small voice. The point of that narrative, as you read it, is, is to learn once again that, that we need grace to restore or revitalize that hearing. One of the things that will happen to you when you hit that wall is your ability to hear God is going to be suspect. It's going to be compromised. And so what do you need? It needs to be fine-tuned again. Because guess what? One word from God can what? Change our lives forever. And he needed to hear. Amen. Something very, very powerful. Number three, grace to touch your seeing. To see what? To see that there's still a vision for your life. To see there's still a purpose for your life. To see that your job is not done yet. I think it's interesting that God provided grace to touch his body, grace to touch his ability to hear, and grace to touch his ability to see. And that, those are all critical. You have to take care of the natural things. Say the natural things. Say it with me, the natural things. You have to take care of the ability to hear. Because if you're not careful, all these other voices are crowding in, telling you, what's the point? It's over. You should just give up. Nothing's ever going to change. Somewhere in there, the voice of God will break through if you have the ability to hear. He who has ears to hear, let him hear. But you have to be able to push out all that other nonsense. And we don't know all the voices that were talking to him, but we know a little bit about some of the voices that were talking to him. And how many know they weren't cheering for him? But how many know God is cheering for you? The point is, if God has to send an angel to your side to cause resilience to come back into your life, he'll do so. And sometimes those angels that come are just normal, everyday, two-legged Christians. Or even a total stranger. Amen. To say word in due season. Um, Y'all remember uh, the owner of Tom's Grill. He went home, uh, I guess it was been a year Pretty close to a year, maybe not quite. I remember uh, years ago, I don't even remember what, what personally I was going through, but there were some challenges and some difficulties and some things that were, that were happening that needed the wisdom of God on. And he just stops by our table one day. Many of you had the same experience where he told his story. And his story is basically this. I think it was uh, 40 years old. 
he wanted to go home to Greece, and then he wanted to kill himself. And before he went uh, home, he didn't have any money, so he stopped at a racetrack, I believe, in Florida, and made a bet, and <laughs> he earned enough money to go on board a flight and go see his mom. When he got over there, God began to do something. He ran into, of course, the woman that he was going to marry, and he received a vision for, for business and received, a, I believe, also the power to do it. And he came back here, and he's really one of the most successful business stories in Murray's history. When Kelly was just a little girl, so about this, this man's heart and mindset, he was the one that bought you the grist. How old were you? Maybe six. And he never forgot that. Always in that story. What I'm telling you is, he was getting ready to just throw it all away. And how many of you understand that, uh, yeah, that's, that's about the age a lot of people go through things, but thank God he didn't give up. Amen. Amen. Because there's a story there that tells you if you'll just hang in there, God is able to give you something new. Yes. A new direction. A new vision. Say it with me. Resiliency yes. is one of God's specialties. Come on, say it like you believe it. Resiliency yes. is one of God's yes. specialties. So it doesn't make any difference where you are today, where you might be a year from now, five years from now. It's at some point in time, you're going to feel just like this. And you're going to need to understand that resiliency is part of your salvation package. Jesus paid for it with his blood. Yes. And just remember that if it can happen to an Elijah, it can happen to you. But guess what? If it can happen to you, you can have the same benefits that Elijah had. More so because you're born again. Amen. You're spirit filled. You're a word person. Amen. Say it. I'm a Holy Ghost person. Holy Ghost. You can have things like he experienced. But you just have to be you know, kind of honest about it and say, Instead of putting on your little church face, you know, the one you put on when you walk in Sunday morning, how, how's it going? Everything's perfect. Put on your little parade smile and wave at everybody. Dandy, just doing dandy. And you know that not every time it's somebody doing just great. Sometimes they just drug in here. I mean, somebody drug them in. Amen. Some of you had your parents give you drugs all your life. They drug you to church. Amen. <laughs> And it's stuck, glory to God. It's so important to get a hold of this. Jesus said in Matthew 11, this from the message, Are you tired, worn out, burned out on religion? Come to me, get away with me, and you'll recover your life. I'll show you how to take a real rest. Walk with me and work with me. Watch how I do it. Learn the unforced rhythms of grace. Say that, the unforced rhythms of grace. Now doesn't that sound better than you trying to make everything happen? Amen? That grace, part of that can cause resiliency in your life. I won't lay anything heavy or ill-fitting on you. Keep company with me and you'll learn to live freely and lightly. You know, what's the point of the scripture? A lot of the things that are causing us to be overburdened and burned out are things he never assigned to us. Somebody else thought we should do this. This is a great idea. Be careful when somebody presents assignments for you. Now, it's fine for them to confirm things. Say it with me. Confirming voice. It's not okay for them to be the originating voice. Amen. Whether that's a call to Africa or across the street or a ministry in the church. We can confirm as brothers and sisters, but only God can originate the word. And some Christians think, well, I have respect for that person. They said I should do this and they started doing this and this and this and this. And they absolutely blow themselves apart. And it had nothing to do with the call of God. Might you know, put it like this, what God orders, he pays for, but not just with money. 
What he orders, he also supplies in power and vigor and wisdom and anointing to do it. Now, there's another extreme in the body of Christ right now. They're absolutely not going to do anything, people. And you're totally out of the will of God. Thank you for your enthusiasm over this revelation. Doing everything is not the will of God. Doing nothing is not the will of God. You were designed, you were created in Christ Jesus unto good works. He wants to make you into a masterpiece. And he never just makes you something that sticks you on a shelf somewhere. Isn't that pretty? Come on, say his masterpiece is always doing. But not doing everything. Amen. Hallelujah. Brother Osteen used to tell this story about all these people who come up to him and say, we need to build a cafeteria in the church. We need to have a restaurant in the church. And so they tried it for a while. And he, he looked at us one, one year, there were about six, seven hundred sons and daughters in his, in his uh, you know, church there in Dockle Road before they went into the compact center. And he just looked at it, he shook his head, he goes, don't let them ever talk you into putting a cafeteria in the church. <laughs> it was just a total flesh thing. But how many understand even spiritual people can come up with fleshly ideas for you? Moving right along. (laughs) Amen. So what happened? Um, Elijah was strengthened physically for the ministry and the grace that God gave him. He had his hearing fine-tuned, and then he was reassigned. He was was given that, hey, you still have things to do. There There are prophets, successors to anoint, and there are kings to anoint. In other words, Elijah, you're not done. Now, take the touch on your body, the touch on your hearing, the touch on your seeing, and go forth and complete the things you're called to do. So what I really want to do is give you some principles tonight about the nature of that grace. The principles about the nature of that grace are favored to touch your body, your hearing, and your seeing. Uh, Why would I do this? I don't think that, that everybody in this building right now or necessarily this church or the body of Christ at large is actually going through what Elijah is going through. But I will tell you this, you will. And it's irresponsible for ministers to tell you that every day is just a joy fest and everything's perfect in your life. You need the tools to deal with these things yes. when they happen. It's the same reason we teach about healing. What? So that you can believe God. Amen. When you're facing something. Teach you the principles of finances so that you can believe God when you have a need in your life. Same thing here. The principles of these great men of God. We talked about Joseph in the past and David in the past. But I go back to Joseph. Like All that stuff he went through, I don't think I'd have been so kind when my brothers and family showed up. Amen. But yet, you never see his flesh. You never see any attitude. You just see resilience. And guess what? That resiliency brought him great promotion. How many don't mind God promoting you? Raise your hand if you would like God to do new and exciting things in your life. You're not going to get there without resiliency. Somebody's going to throw a roadblock in your way. And what you do at that moment is going to determine whether you're promotable, amen, or not. I'm just telling you, um, we've got to learn some things. So write this down, first of all. We access His grace and favor always by faith. Always. You've got to stay in faith. I don't care what's coming at you. I don't care what they're saying. I don't care what the devil's telling you. You stick to what the Word of God says. Faith comes by hearing, 
and hearing by the word of God, you go back to what the word says. You go back to the things that God spoke to you about your life and about your ministry, about your future, about your purpose. And you meditate on those things. You're not going to access that favor by doubt, fear, and unbelief. You're going to do so by faith. Romans 5.2 tells us that we access this grace or this favor by faith or by believing God. Come on, shout out, I'm a believer. I believe God. I access that favor by faith. Second thing I'm going to point out to you is that we access His grace when we strive to do His will and stay on His path. There's no obligation by God to allow His favor to invade your life when you refuse to stay on a path He's called you to. Do your own thing, you're on your own. Get on His path and you will have wind beneath your wings, you will have power at your back. Are you hearing what I'm saying to you? This idea that I could just do whatever I want to do and God will bless it. I'll give God my plan and pray over it and ask him to. No, it doesn't work that way. He's only obligated himself to give favor and grace if you're doing what he wants you to do. And by that, I'm not implying you've done it perfectly because no one in this room has. But how many know we can have a perfect heart towards the will of God? And that perfect heart will allow that grace and favor to invade our lives. But sometimes... You know, I was just talking today to, to somebody and they were telling me that a you know, person that was here years and years ago is just really struggling and having some issues going on in their life and some even attitudes popping up, you know, even towards family members and others. And I just, I just told them, it just came out of my spirit, that's because they're not in the will of God. Exactly. When somebody is called to preach and they won't do it, they're not going to have God's best. It's not that God's against them. It's just that he can't do what he wants to do in their life if they won't yield to him. See, everybody in this room, God has a path for you. Mm-hmm. And on that path are wonderful things, yes. exciting things, blessings and giftings and connections and relationships and all the power and the favor and the might to do it. But you've got a better idea. I'm going to take this path or go down this road, let's just kind of probe and see if that's a God thing. I watched a lot of Christians get killed by probing. Just find out what he wants you to do today and stay on his path. That's right. And obviously, you know, Elijah you know, wasn't a perfect man, but how many can look at, look at his ministry and say there's a lot of accuracy there, fidelity to the will of God in his life. No wonder he received the grace for resiliency. Amen. God help us if we need resiliency and we're in 10 buck two. Amen. It's clear from the supernatural power displayed in Elijah's life uh, when he took on the prophets of Baal and defeated them. This was not, you know, some story where, where God just destroyed them all. This is a Samson type of story where he had to physically build the altar, physically take care of the sacrifice, and physically take on all these problems. And how many of you know these guys were probably foaming at the mouth, demon-possessed, coming at him like crazy? Yeah. Have you all had a demon-possessed person come at you before? Yeah. I've had a few of them. Yep. And uh, they're, uh, they're hyper in activity and, and animated, and they're typically stronger. My, uh, my five-year-old foster brother at the time uh, my parents moved to adopt him, and then uh, the court gave back the, the uh, parental rights after taking them away, which almost never happens and then never ends well. But that's a whole other story. Um, don't get me started on the Department of Children and Family Services in the state of Illinois. Just don't get me started there. 
But this kid, abused in the home, was also exposed to spiritual things that caused him to be completely subjugated by the evil one. He would go into the daycare in the YMCA in Illinois, and he would actually have conversations. And so, just like I'm talking to you right now, he would pause, looking for a response. And then he would say something else. And after you listen to him for a couple of minutes, you realize he's talking to somebody, and they're talking back to him. In that room, there was a set of baskets. A lot of YMCA's have these. And these were retired baskets, and they're on shelving like that. And you can put the basket in and put a lock on there for belongings. They're kind of old and outdated now. But on the side of these metal bars, and these bars are about half inch. I watched this kid bend one of these at five years old. We're talking supernatural demonic strength. And then he ran into a spirit-filled Lutheran pastor one day. And that pastor was born again, spirit-filled, tongue-talking to cast the devil out of that kid. That's the power of God. Aren't you glad for that? Amen. But I'm just saying that, that this was not some, okay, the Lord will just smite them all, a mighty smiter, smite them. He actually had to engage these people. And all that he did, can you see how God's supernatural power was with him and continued to be with him? Say it with me, resiliency. We uh, have to understand that uh, grace is like the waves in an ocean. Um, if you've ever been where there's been a, a high tide anywhere in the country, around the world, you know that, that it's a lot easier for those waves to push you in, right, than you fight against them. Unless you get caught by an undertow, you know, that kind of a thing. But the bottom line is God is wanting you to get in line with what he is doing. A lot of people spend their lives trying to tell God what he needs to do instead of find out what God is doing. Get your little spiritual surfboard and ride the waves. Yeah. Amen. Uh, we were in Hawaii and Oahu on the North Shore, and uh, really the truth of it is none of us should have been in the water because these waves and these swells or whatever. There's a bright sign on the beach that said, uh, many experienced swimmers and surfers have had their neck broken at this very beach. <laughs> Please use caution. And so Timothy and I went out, and we did uh, maybe uh, two or three times body surfing. And I mean, by body surfing, I mean slam to the bottom and hold your breath, because that was all the surfing you got to do with these kinds of waves. Kelly was just at the shoreline. I mean, just literally this, like this. And the little bitty waves uh, would turn these massive waves and just took her feet out from under her. And there on the intercom, the lifeguard's going, if you're not familiar with these waters, please stay away from the edge of the water. But she's trying to get out, but she gets up and she flops over here. And then she flops over there. <laughs> Guy comes on the intercon. If you're not familiar with these waters, I'm like, she's trying to stand up and get away from the waters. Why don't you come out of your little shack and do something about it, you know? But uh, that's how powerful these things were. Well, you want the power of God working with you. Yes. Not against you. Amen. Too many of y'all flopping and flipping. <laughs> What you want to do is be out there on the ways, go in the direction he's supposed to go. Some of you don't know this, but when I was in college, I actually entered a, a race, and it was, across the Ohio, it was across the Ohio River from the Illinois side, and you're supposed to land in Paducah. Now, what a lot of people realize is there's quite a current there in Paducah. And so what you have to do is when you're swimming, you can't just, you can't just kind of just swim. You have to angle your body. So not only are you swimming, you're swimming in force against that current. If you want to arrive at the Paducah landing site, instead of on the far end past the old executive end, which is where several of us ended up. <laughs> Insult to injury walking back to the staging site. But that's how, how powerful it was. 
And so you're, you're, you're trying to force it instead of just flowing with it. Now, God's will and God's purpose and his, his power for us and his power for resilience is in his flow. Now, there are cultural influences you do need to paddle against. There are influences you need to fight against. When it comes to what God is doing, just find out what he's doing and go and swim with that current. It's amazing how much faster you swim and how easier it is than trying to fight what God is doing. Look at somebody and tell them, hang 10. Hang 10. Instead of flopping around. Amen. Raise your hand if you've ever flipped and flopped a little bit. Just a couple of you. Okay. Resiliency. Grace will cause you to be victorious no matter what's going on in your lives. Amen. To overcome everything the enemy throws you. Raise your hand if the devil has thrown some things at you. (laughs) Watch this. Grace will cause you to be the key to someone else's victory even though you may be injured and cast aside like the slave in the Ziklag story in David's men. Watch this. This king that was going around raiding all these villages, including Ziklag, he had this slave, and once the slave was injured, he tossed him aside like an old rag. Then David came upon him. And the man said, you promise to spare me. I'll show you exactly where the raiding party is. Now, we don't want to be people that are casting people aside. That's right. Amen? But I'll tell you this. The ones that are cast aside could be the victory key for somebody else. In other words, God's not done with you just because somebody else says you don't measure up. That's good. That's good. Are you here? You just hang in there and watch God use you. And in fact, God just gave this, this to me today. God does some of his best work through injured hearts and worn out lives. He revitalizes us instead of setting us aside. Just like Elijah, God is just not done with us yet. Come on, say, he's just not done with me yet. This broken down, tossed away slave was the key to the restoration of David and his men. They got it all back because somebody cast them aside, but God wasn't done with that guy yet. Turn to somebody and tell them, God's not done with you yet either. Come on, say it by grace. God does some of his best work through injured hearts and worn out lives. You may be here tonight, you say, you know what, I've got an injured heart. I've got a worn out life. I wonder if God has anything for me. I'm telling you, God does his best work through scripture with people just like that. Amen. Amen. We have this idea that everything's perfect, mentally, physically, emotionally, everything's just perfect. Everything is just tip top. Now God will do something great in me or through me. You'd be amazed how many people in Scripture and in the modern body of Christ are not in a perfect shape, and yet God's doing supernatural things through them. If He can do it for Elijah, He can do it for you. Amen? Aren't you glad He's got good things in store? I love it what the Spirit of God speaks to to my heart, you know, personally as well as for the church. He doesn't do cancel culture. He does not cancel us. That's the world. He restores. He revitalizes because he still has something for that person to do. God wasn't done with Elijah and he's not done with you. Let me say it again. God wasn't done with Elijah and he's not done with you. 
Point to yourself and say, he's not done with me. And he's going to revitalize you so that you can have resilience to do the things that are still out there to do. Amen. Any other Cardinal fans in here besides me and Kelly? There's a couple of you. There's a brave fan. <laughs> um, Matt Carpenter uh, played third base for the Cardinals. He had 11 seasons with the Cardinals. At one time, he had more triples in baseball than anybody on the active roster anywhere in baseball. Past two years for the Cardinals, he was hitting one-something, which means every, every 10 times he get up to bat, he might get a hit one time. Just inconsistent, everything fell apart. And so when his contract was done, they didn't, uh, they didn't renew it. And uh, so he got a call from the Texas Rangers, the minor league program, and he did okay there, but nothing spectacular. And the manager basically said that they're getting ready to call somebody up, and he wanted to know, are they going to call me up? And they said no. And so he said, you know what, I just want to be released. I don't want to put my family through this anymore. So he went home. Um, I think he lived in Fort Worth. And um, he went back and he, he started thinking about uh, where he's at. Now he's, he doesn't have a Cardinal contract. He's not playing baseball in the minor league. And he sat there and he began to think about what he, what he should do and what he wanted to do. And he felt like he still had something to give. And so he, he contacts a man, like, a man called Joey Votto, who is the first baseman for Cincinnati Reds, one of the best first basemen ever played the game. And he said, you know, there's just something wrong. With, with my swing. And Vado told him, if you can imagine this, the only time they ever talked was when they chit-chat whenever somebody would be on first base and Joey Vado was playing that position. And so he very graciously took the golf, very graciously told him, you know, I, I've watched the decline in your performance and I just wanted to point out a couple things to you. He took those things to heart and uh, he started seeing real results and real power coming off that, uh, that bat again. And one day he gets a call, not from the minor league, but from the New York Yankees. And uh, he told the manager, he said, uh, Cardinals are the, the top winning World Series team in the National League. The Yankees are the top winning World Series team overall. And of course, the American League champions with the most World Series. He tells the manager, he says, you know what? I'll just carry the bags if you'll let me be on the team and give me a shot at playing. That was his attitude. Humbles himself, talks to Joey Vidal, tells the manager all he wants to do is, uh, is carry the bags. He goes to New York three days ago. He hit two, run, two home runs and knocked in seven runs. In 68 appearances at the bat, he's hit home runs 11 times. And here's what the New York paper, which is brutal on baseball players. The New York paper said he came here to handle baggage and he turned into Babe Ruth. Isn't that an amazing story? And what's really amazing, he could end up facing the Cardinals in the World Series before this is all over with. Wouldn't that be something? I'm going to buy a ticket. Yes, I am. And I'm just cheering for him. A great guy just had a, had a slump. But how do you understand that uh, something must have happened in the area of resiliency for him to pick that bat up and perform? We're not talking about some little scrub club. We're talking about the New York Yankees playing against you know, you know, places like Boston and other places and just knocking you know, the ball over the fence constantly. Can I tell you something? God has still got something for you to swing at. Amen. He could have just quit, gone about his life, and nobody would have faulted him. 11 great years, you got a World Series ring, you know what? You had high votes for MVP, you're, you're batting champion, you know, great. But that's not what he did, because he knew he still had something on the inside of him. So I can't cheer enough for him. I wish him the best. I hope he plays 
you know, and does real well and even gets a World Series ring regardless of what happens with the Cardinals. But can you see how a lot of people would just say, well, I'm done. There are a lot of Christians that still have some good at-bats in them. There are a lot of people in this room that have a lot of good at-bats inside of them. But you're going to have to show some resiliency to get there. Amen? Can I have a good amen? Amen. The headline read, He went there to handle baggage and he turned into Babe Ruth. What a headline. How many of us a whole lot better and he just went home to Fort Worth and just sucked his thumb? <laughs> Amen. The baseball is great. Love it. But it's not eternal. At least I don't think it is. If, if it is, Jesus is a Cards fan. I can tell you that right now. <laughs> Jesus is no Cubs fan. I can tell you that. <laughs> That's obvious over the history of baseball. It couldn't be a Cubs fan. They lose too much. <laughs> If you're a Cub fan, don't get offended. <laughs> stay, stay in love. Stay. <laughs> um, maybe there is a heavenly baseball league. Who knows? Whatever. But, um, you know, what we deal with, though, is eternal. If you sit on a shelf, it could affect eternity. By eternity, I mean where people go for all eternity. So can you believe today that resiliency is part of your salvation package? Yes. Come on, declare it. My, my resiliency is part of my salvation package. There is grace for resiliency in my life. Say, resiliency that touches my body, touches my hearing, touches my seeing, and it's all by faith. Say, there's greatness still in me. Things to do. Places to go, people to reach, just like Elijah. God's not done with me yet. The injured in heart, the broken in spirit, the afflicted. Amen. Throughout Scripture, God has done amazing things through people just like that. Just let Him use you, just like you are, and watch and see what He'll do. Come on, let's give Him a hand clap and let's praise Him for it.